Jesus, I just thank you so much for Maria. I thank you for what you're doing through her and how you're speaking to us. And I just pray that today, Father, that you would just um, channel through her, Father, that she would just be such a vessel of your goodness and such a vessel of your word, Father, that um, that you would just speak so clearly to her and, and that you would just um, interpret what what you're saying to each one of our hearts, Father, and that it would just touch us in a new way. And I just thank you so much for what we're learning about Holy Spirit. And I thank you that um, his presence is here. And I just thank you that... Um, for everything that you're doing in Maria. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Wednesday. Wonderful Wednesday. Woo. Okay. I can see. I see where we are. Okay. Let's get right to the slides, you guys. Um, so yesterday we talked about he convicts. Uh, we can. Why does he convict? Number one, so we can see the ugliness of our hearts. So we can see the ugliness of our hearts. I hope you guys heard what I said was saying to you yesterday and not, uh, didn't add anything to that. Like I, we, we really have to know that the only reason our hearts are good and clean is because Jesus made them good and clean. Okay. We were not born that way. And that goes against everything that our culture would tell you. You are so good just by yourself. And so Jesus loves you. No, you were born in sin. Jesus died on the cross for you. And we have a need for him in our life. And he makes us good. And he makes us righteous. And he makes us justified and sanctified. And then we get to go around and say to each other, you're awesome. Miles, your magnificent masterpiece. Because we have Jesus and he's doing the work. When we lose sight of how crappy our hearts are without Jesus, that's when we start treating him like he's, you know, he's a good friend, but I don't have time today. No need. Because I'm good. You good? You good, Ryan? Because I'm good. So this is why we're blessed that this is one of Holy Spirit's ministries to us, to convict us, to show us the ugliness of our heart. And why? Why? So he can make us feel shamed? No. So we can be restored spiritually and so we can produce eternal fruit. So we can be restored spiritually. I don't know about you or your background. Actually, um, because I, for me personally, because I have a prophetic gifting, I ask your staff not to send me your bios because I don't want to read about you. I just want to hear what Holy Spirit has to say to you if I pray for you. And so I don't know your backgrounds, but if you had a time in your life where you weren't living for the Lord, you produced, you were not producing fruit. This is a blessing we get from knowing Jesus and having Holy Spirit in our life is that we get to produce eternal fruit. And when we don't say, okay, bring that conviction and we're building that brick wall I talked about yesterday between us and God, it stunts us from going to the garden and producing that fruit. So God loves us so much. He's like, I want you to be part of the program. I want you to be on my team. So let's get, let's get this stuff out so that you're equipped. And three, conviction is his job. What do I mean by that? What do I mean by conviction is his job? Yeah, I believe uh, God sent the Holy Spirit to convict us so that we don't convict other people. Okay, what's that mean? Um, Don't judge other people. Or don't um, take matters into your own hands when the Holy Spirit is meant to do that. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on a little rabbit trail for a second because that's the most common answer that I receive is don't judge other people. And, you know, in my generation, the most known verse was um, John 3.16. And within your generation, the most known verse is do not judge lest ye be judged. And we don't even understand what that means. Conviction is his job. What's that mean? Try again. Someone help him out. I love in these moments, people are like, I am so glad that it is his job to do. It's not ours. And so many times we try to do it ourselves. Okay. What's that mean? I think it means that like the Holy Spirit convicts us and he... He does, like, no one can do it as good as he does, you know? And he does it by, like, he, like, looks at our hearts and he convicts us in our hearts, you know? And, but he doesn't, he doesn't do it in a shameful way. He does it in, here's what you're doing wrong, but let's grow on that so I can get closer to you, you know? Okay, and that's a very good answer. But what's this mean? Someone else? Sure, the guest would like to... I'll give it a shot, you guys. Um, I'm only speaking for myself here. Conviction is personal, individual, uh, on my heart, um, what God is doing in me, convicting me. Um, it's not about me convicting others or me judging others, but um, it's what God wants to do in me. So that's where I'm. Okay. That's that, my answer. I mean, I'm going to stick with it. Yeah, that's a good answer. That's a good answer. Listen. Conviction is his job. And this is, this is what I mean by this little statement. Let me give you an example. You're teenagers, not living for the Lord. Your parents come to you and they say, uh, we are leaving for the weekend. And you know the house rules because, you know, um, we, we have to go do this business thing or whatever. And you know the house rules. Like, obviously, no one's doing drugs in the house. Nobody's drinking because you're under 21, and that's the law. No parties, right? And then you're like, because you have none of you, but just some of your friends were like this in high school. And they were like, uh-huh, totally. Who'd have a party? Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, just getting a text from my friend. Parents leaving. Five o'clock. Come over. Oh, no, just a few friends are coming over. No big deal. And it's like a rager for the weekend. And your parents come home, and they find out because something's broken. Somebody's passed out in the backyard. I mean, it's like crazy. See, your parents had a rule for you, but you didn't have the conviction. So if I see my friend not doing something that's good for their life in Christ, am I to talk to them about that? Yes, I am. <laughs> Why? Because I'm judging them? No. Why? Because I'm sinless? No, because we're a body. So you don't get to just have your little individual life. Uh, you know, I mean, that's totally not my conviction, Maria. <laughs> I, I tore that page of the Bible out. Like, that does not apply to me. No, I come to you, and especially if I'm your leader or your mentor. I come to you, and I say, hey, I'm concerned. Because this is what, remember we talked about this thing, that's your weakness, and now I'm watching you do this thing over here. Now, here's the difference between that and judging. If I'm coming to you as a leader and I'm judging you and I'm like, you know, you said you didn't want to do this and you're doing it. And I mean, I guess you're just going to always do it. Too bad for you. Incorrect. But even as a friend, if I come to you, here, I'll give you an example. When I first started teaching and people would come up to me or even before they would ask me, I'd get all these friendship requests on Facebook. And I would accept none of them until I gave my little speech. And that is 
we are not friends. We are in a mentor, mentee, teacher, student relationship. So before I, I, I delete all their requests, and I'm like, before you friend me, this is what I want you to know. In these moments in DTS, when you're going through your heart surgery, and you come to me and you're like, Maria, will you pray for me? Because like, okay, I'm totally convicted. And I have this boyfriend back home and... You know, he just really doesn't love Jesus, and I'm not supposed to be together with him. And then we pray about it, and you break up with him, and then you go home, and I see a picture of you two on Facebook, and we're friends. I'm not messaging you. Right under the picture I'm writing, is this the guy that doesn't love Jesus? Question mark. And then, because I've done it, I've done it. This is not hypothetical. And then all of a sudden, I get this message. She didn't respond. She didn't respond to me under the photo. She messaged me. You know, Maria, this that was a different time in my life, and blah blah blah, and this and that. So I messaged her back, and I said, "Look, I love you. I'm not trying to shame you." But I, I already said this to you in your DTS. But I can't convict her. And that's what I said to her. Conviction's not my job. You have no, she's like, I have total peace about being with this guy. And I said, of course you do. He's cute. I bet he's a good kisser. I wrote this. So I'm sure you got lots of peace going on over there in Arizona. So what I said to her is, so what you're communicating to me is you have peace. You're claiming it's from God and you have no conviction. And she wrote back and she said, yes. And I said, okay, I won't bring this up again. Carry on. Why? My job's done. Mentor, mentee, teacher, student. Hey, waving the flag. Here I am. Jesus' hands and feet and mouth and warning bells. Warning bells. Ding, ding, ding. And you're saying, no, no, no. I have total peace from the Lord. Okay, well. Now guess what? Now what do I do? Now I pray for her that she will allow Holy Spirit to convict her before she makes him the one for the rest of her life. That's what I mean by conviction is his job. So it does not mean what your generation wants it to mean, which is, I see that person doing things they said they didn't want to do, but that's their life. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's their relationship with Jesus. So, yeah, no, I mean, if that's working for you, awesome. Peace out, man. Yeah. Jesus loves you. I love you. He's all about love. We love each other. Do you know that within love, you confront? And if you don't like confrontation and you're a Christian, oh, snappy snap for you. You must learn how to confront in love and to accept confrontation in love. You have to. For your spiritual maturity. But you can't make that person convicted. So if I saw that young girl and she was here, let's say little Miss Arizona, and she was here with her boyfriend or whatever, and she's showing him the Kona campus, am I going to be like, oh, and look at him and be like, oh, hey. No, I'm going to say, hey, 
Nice to meet you. How's it going? Awesome you guys are here. Can I pray for you? Do you understand what I'm saying? We don't shame people. And for me, I don't, that's not shaming as far as I'm concerned that she put up her little canoodling picture. And I'm like, is this the guy that doesn't love Jesus? Because he's over there saying, I don't love Jesus. So I'm not shaming anybody. This is what she shared with me. And I told her, this is who I am. So you want to be my friend? Let's be friends. (laughs) And I expect the same from my friends. You guys, I've had friends have very difficult conversations with me where I'm like, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'll take it to the Lord, but I don't think that's like one of my problems. And then I go to the Lord and he's like, ding, ding, ding. They showing you a blind spot, Maria. And I got to eat the humble pie. Conviction is Holy Spirit's job. Here's the other thing. If Holy Spirit convicts you or convicts me, what happens? There's long-lasting change. But if my friend is only modifying their behavior because I'm around, it's not helpful. And I always try to tell people, don't modify your behavior for me. Who am I? I am but human. Jesus knows who you are. Who cares if I have a prophetic gifting? I mean, some people, I've had students say to me, every time you came around me during my DTS, like, I just quoted Bible verses in my brain. I can't read your mind. I just have a prophetic gifting. A little different. And who cares? What am I going to do? Do I determine where you're going for eternity? Do I uh, bring healing to you? No. Jesus, he sees everything. Holy Spirit, Father God. So we want him. We want to leave conviction up to him. But we have to confront each other when we see things that are not biblically sound. Okay? Next. Number four, why does he convict? He woos us. He does not overtake us in his conviction. So... When I was in high school, well, I got saved when, um, well, I guess let's go all the way back. Um, I did not grow up in a Christian family. My mom's been married. Oh, can you turn that off? My life with Christ is like up and down, up and down, up and down. And I decide I'm going to go to Bible college. I go to Bible college at um, North Central University in Minneapolis, Minnesota, the creme de creme of the assemblies of God with, uh, with all my baggage, my own issues. And I, I, and I go there and I, and I think I'm going to go to heaven on earth because everybody's a Christian. And I'm that crazy freshman that's saying hi to everybody. Like everyone. I'm like, Hey, cause we're brothers and you know, sisters in the Lord. Hi. I stand outside of the auditorium and introduce myself to everybody. I'm like, hi, man. Chicago, nice to meet you. Hi, nice to meet you. Like, I knew everybody. I was crazy. And um, somewhere in that time, what started coming up is that I'm jealous of the world, really. Because I see all these... Um, you're, gonna have, you're just going to have to not record. Maria, and I, I read this thing. It's so awesome. And my mom, she's like a total believer of Jesus. And so these are the things that, you know, and I just go on and on and on. And these girls are like, uh, okay. And I'm like, so can I come over and meet you? Uh, sure. So I go and I meet them. And so the, the one of the girls goes, I don't want to offend you, but right away you should know something about me. And I'm like, okay. And she said, 
I mean, it might be offensive to you. And I said, all right. She said, well, uh, I brew my own beer. And I was like, I love you. <laughs> I, like People find that offensive. And she's like, well, you know, in, in Christendom, like, you know, and I'm like, and, I, and I'm thinking in my mind, oh, yeah, these girls don't know me. I saw their little thing at church. They don't know about me. Right? And, but I know all the right lingo, right? We all know the right answers. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's not offensive. No problem. Like, you know, do your thing. Love Jesus. Brew your beer. Awesome. So later, so they tell me, we, we choose you. We choose you. Move in. I'm like, yes. I move in, and they tell me after I move in, we actually told somebody else the day before they could move in. But you, like, we just loved you, and we had to say yes to you. And we had to call this other person and say sorry. These two girls start realizing who they've allowed into their house. Okay? This is way before cell phones. So if you lived in a house with somebody, they knew what was happening with you. So I would come home from my job, and I'd hit the, the button on our answering machine, because that's how old I am. And I'd hit play, and there'd be like five messages, five different guys calling for me. So they start picking up on, hey, maybe she's not really living her life for Jesus. So one of them says, hey, I noticed you don't really have a church that you attend. And I'm like, yeah. And like, so we have this home church we go to. Why don't you, you know, it's a new church plant and it's in Uptown, which is anyone here from Minnesota? Anybody? Okay. Minneapolis? No? Okay. So Uptown is like the cool area. Like that's where people shave their eyebrows and then tattoo little symbols there. Like people are individuals. Okay. So I was like, what? They're doing a church plant in Uptown? Awesome. So I said, okay, I'll give it a try. So we go, and literally, you guys, I want to tell you something, and it's going to be hard for you to understand because it's not the same way now. When I went to Bible college, everybody looked the same. And I, it, it was not this, like, I come here, everybody's got their own style going on. Pierced, not pierced, tatted, not tatted. Dreads, no dreads, beards, it's like the lumberman generation. <laughs> so it wasn't like that. Everybody looked the same. So I come to this home church. We're early so I can, you know, meet the pastor and his wife. And I'm sure they had many talks about me because I was crazy. So um, and did I mention that Thursday nights was 80s night at my favorite club? So I came to Thursday night church in my club clothes. Yeah, thank God, no Facebook or Instagram, okay? <laughs> so they take me early, and I meet the pastor and his wife, and they're both, like, you know, so welcoming. We're so happy you're here. I, like, literally, I can't think about it too much because I'm, like, little, 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 like, about myself and how I was dressed. And so, so they're like, come in, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I sit down and I'm like, and I'm starting to feel claustrophobic. Like I don't belong here. These are not my people. And all of a sudden people start coming in. I mean, they've got purple hair, they're tatted, they're pierced all over and they love Jesus. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is my tribe. These are my people. And the Holy Spirit was wooing me. Yes. Wooing is just, you know how we talked about conviction yesterday, but the difference between conviction and condemnation and that the woo, like, I don't know, has anyone in here ever done a strength finders test? Okay, if you ever read the book, there's actually a strength called a woo. 
And a wooer is somebody who like, you want to be around them. They're like, hey, how are you? Come have lunch with me. And then you're like, yeah. A woo is like a David Gava. Right? Like I told you yesterday, I was like, already me and David Gava, we're going to meet for the first time. And I'm like, okay, Holy Spirit, give me a word for him so he knows how cool I am and prophetic. Me and David Gava. And then I meet him and we sit down and he's like a warm electric blanket on a winter's night. And I'm like, this is one of the most my life. I just met you. Yeah, it was bad news, Spears. Yeah. So that's a woo. That's what wooing does. It softens you. It makes you want to come. There's no shame. So Holy Spirit's wooing me and I don't even know. You know, and, and he woos by different things. I didn't want to live with, with Christian girls who were going to want to have Bible studies with me and tell me about my, if I was a, what season I was for my makeup. Okay, sorry. So old. I'm old. Okay. So anyway, I, I didn't want to do the girly things. Okay, you know, some of you are like a spring and you're good in spring colors and winters, winter colors. Yeah. yeah, okay. Okay, moving on. So, so I didn't want to live with girls like that. So little, little did I know I was being wooed by Holy Spirit because I meet this girl who says, I don't want to offend you. I brew beer in the basement. And I go, I like you. Okay, I let you talk to me. About Jesus. And they take me to this Bible study. And I start going every Thursday in my club clothes. And my clubber friend picks me up every Thursday outside. Because she will not enter that weird house. And one Thursday I'm leaving. And the pastor's wife is standing there. And she looks at me, and I said, thanks, it was awesome. And she looks at me, and she looks at my clothes, and she said, Maria, I'm praying you don't have to keep doing this to feel good about yourself. And I want to tell you something. Normal Maria, who I call ghetto Maria, would have been like, I don't feel bad about myself. I'm having a good time. Oh, no, I, I couldn't even produce her because it was so like, zing. And I could feel like the tears coming up. And I went, see you next Thursday. And I left and I went and clubbed. And it was on a Thursday night. After that, that I called my mom in Illinois, and I said, hey, I want you to know something. And she said, okay. I said, I'm going to go do YWAM. Because some of my friends had done YWAM. And my mom's like, what? Well, what happened? And I'm like, nothing happened, Mom. I'm on my way to the club. Like, this is what I said. I'm on my way to the club right now. But I just know I'm going to go do YWAM. My mom's like, Okay. And he wooed me. So I started telling people at work, I'm going to do this thing like the Peace Corps, you know, type deal. Because I'm not all about this like materialism in life. I'm about people. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go sacrifice my life for those poor Indian babies in India. I'll probably work with Mother Teresa over there. Okay, I hadn't even, like, done my paperwork for YWAM yet. Okay, I was just, like, spouting to people. It's one week. I finally, I do the paperwork. I'm going to go to YWAM. You guys... I wish I could say so. I'm going to YWAM. So like, yeah, God is just overflowing in my life. It got worse before it got better. I mean, I was crazy. 
I was doing Sambuca shots in my house by myself every day just to stay sane. It's a week before I'm supposed to leave for YWAM. I quit my job. I gave my notice. I have no ticket. I have no money. I'm crying in my bedroom. I'm crying out to God, and I'm like, I'm like a hamster on this wheel that is being led by my compulsions, and I cannot stop myself. And if I do not leave this place, I will die. And I said, if you get me out, I'll give you 110% of my life. The house phone goes, bring, bring. Literally. I pick up the phone. This is before cell phones. Pick up the phone. It's my lawyer friend, because I worked at a five uh, star restaurant, so I met all the people downtown Minneapolis. My lawyer friend that was very concerned about why wasn't I in college and why was I just working this job and blah, blah, blah. He calls. I'm like, hello? Maria. Yes. I know what you need, but you're going to have to ask for it. I'm coming to pick you up for dinner. He comes, picks me up, drives me to this Mexican restaurant. Anybody ever worked in a restaurant before? Yeah. You know what's happening at your tables. And you're talking about it in the back. So we go to this Mexican restaurant. I'm crying. I'm still crying. But now I'm crying because I'm so independent. And nobody ever sees me sweat. And he's going to make me ask him, will you buy my ticket to Hawaii? And how am I going to do that? Because I've spent years training myself to never ask for help. Of being in my GTS, I always say, the Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit are in a rock. And they kindly slid me in between and broke me to a million pieces because it was all a facade it was all pain it was all resentment it was all anger I was actually living my life in reaction to how others had treated me instead of really being who God created me to be and he wanted to free me this is how Holy Spirit woos. So he woos us. He does not overtake us. Acts 7.51 says, You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. If Holy Spirit is convicting you, Yesterday, when we talked about you are not your own, and what does that mean? And somebody said, oh, that means that, you know, he owns our body, and so, you know, we have to glorify him. Well, so if that's true, that we're to glorify him with our body, what kind of music are you listening to? What kind of movies are you watching? It's not for behavior modification. It's submitting yourself to his conviction. So if yesterday he was convicting you, whether it was about those things or other things in your life, forgiving somebody. Do you know we're called to forgive people? It's not a feeling. We don't get to feel like forgiving or not feel like forgiving. We get the opportunity to forgive so the shackles of unforgiveness are off of our feet and we get to live a free life. They don't get off. They don't just get off scot-free. I mean, I'm scared for some people that I've forgiven for some injustices because I'm like, here you go, holy just God. I got nothing on that. He's going to deal with it. And then he's even taken my heart to places where instead of even feeling like that, I go, Lord, save them. They're destroying their own life. 
Don't be stiff-necked. You have one life. You'll never have this wonderful Wednesday again. Don't waste time not hearing Holy Spirit. I see you. You want to be producers of eternal fruit. You want your life to count. You want to know who this God is. Is he really restorer God? Is he really reformer God? Is he really savior God? Is he really friend God? He is. But if we become stick-necked, he cannot penetrate into our hearts. And we begin making choices that change our life in radical ways. I love working with Youth with a Mission because you guys, like, as long as I don't look in the mirror, I'm like, yeah, I'm 23 too. Woo woo. I got some zeal too. But guess what? If I could choose between worshiping with a a, a room full of young, um, zealous people and a room of older people who have gone through pain and loss and tragedy. And every time they get up and they say, God is good all the time. And I'm going to praise you, Lord. And you're going to make it right because that's what your word says. I choose them. I love the older generation. I'm like, tell me how you did it. How are you still loving Jesus? You've seen so much injustice. You've seen prayers go unanswered. And yet you're still praising him. Give me your wisdom. Give me your insight. How did he woo you? Don't be stiff-necked. Don't waste time. Five, he convicts so we can have access to the holy God. You guys, our flesh and the powers and the principalities and the minions, they come. And they say, don't act like you don't know you're being convicted. Why? Because they know. If you can stay inside your shell of pride, you will not have full access to God. I mean, you do, but you won't. You won't access it yourself. You don't want to go. I don't know about you. I've seen this happen to so many people. Girl and guys. They start dating somebody. And the Holy Spirit's convicting them. Don't date that person. And then what do they do? They go, okay, because you know what's right. Many of them go, no. No, that must not be Holy Spirit. And then their friends come to them and say, hey, this person doesn't really love Jesus. Um, judge not lest you be judged. Take the plank out of your own eye before you take the speck out of my hot, cute boyfriend's eye. Who comes to church because I do. <laughs> I mean, isn't that awesome? And then what happens? You've seen it. He or she stops coming to church because everybody's judgmental. I thought you knew Jesus. and I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Snappy snap. Sliding slope. And then the next thing you know, it's like, so 
yeah, I don't really know what I think about Jesus anymore. I mean, that's, guys, you know, I just think that's how I grew up. But, I mean, Christians are just so close-minded, you know. And um, I've been making new friends, and they're totally open to everybody. And then, no Jesus, no Christian community, but wow, she's got a really hot boyfriend. Don't be stiff-necked. He's asking you not to listen to a certain kind of music. Maybe he knows when you listen to that music, you become angry. Maybe he knows you used to smoke weed all the time when you listen to that music, so don't do it. Maybe he knows that's when you and your girlfriend or you and your boyfriend were doing things you shouldn't be doing, so don't listen to that album. He's not just like, you know, Justin Bieber, he's out. Oh, no, he's a Christian. Okay, you can listen to this song. It's not like that. Don't be stiff-necked. Because you're only hurting yourself. So I want you guys to stand up. Ephesians 2, 18 through 20 says, For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Amazing. You are no longer a stranger or an alien to the Father God. And he convicts you because you're his son and his daughters. And he's saying to you, let me free you. This is what your heart's been crying out for. Do you know that God is so big and he's so wild and so crazy that we could not say something with our lips and he'll respond to the cry of our heart. Are you imperfect? Let's stop acting perfect. He's perfect. Here comes the professor. Here comes Holy Spirit. You got some pride? Woohoo! You got some fear, man? We're done! Who cares? Please don't make something up. Be happy. You are having a good moment with God. I promise you in the next few days, he'll talk to you about something. You guys, this is not just about big sin. Like, are you having sex? Are you masturbating? Are you killing people? I mean, this is not about those. This is not just about those things. Are you stealing? You know, if you eat somebody else's food, that's stealing, right? Just thought I'd throw that in there. He wants to talk to you about your attitudes. He wants to talk to you about are you loving? Are you loving others? Are you giving? Are you sharing? 
Some of you, he might, he might even already have said it. Stop gossiping. Stop causing division. Stop comparing. For some of you, he might say, watch what you eat. For others of you, he might say, you need to eat. Because life is not just about your outward body. And the thigh gap. Let me punch whoever came up with the frickin' thigh gap. So let's take a minute. Can we put? Can we just put some um, music on? I j- just for filler because we. I mean, we are people that if we stand here in silence, you're going to be like, "We're in silence. I can't hear from Holy Spirit." I'm going to time us, and I'm going to give us two minutes, and I really just want you to ask Holy Spirit, and and really, let's be honest. Some of you already know what he's convicting you of. If you need to ask for forgiveness from somebody in this room, here's my challenge. I am not the, oh, like, oh, yeah, so after lunch and after you've had some time with the Lord, go talk to that person. You need to ask for forgiveness, go do it. Right here, right now, who cares who sees you? Maybe you're going to heal something in somebody else's heart. You need to call somebody on the phone and say, hey, mom or dad, I'm sorry I sucked this week when I talked to you. I can feel it. Some of you are holding on to certain relationships. I don't know if it's boyfriend, girlfriend. It can be a friend who doesn't know Jesus. And he's asking you, let it go. Are you going to let him convict you? Are you going to let him free you? Or are you saying to him today? Because this is what you're saying. If you say no, you're saying, nope, nope, I don't want your freedom. I don't want it. Two minutes.
I'm going to challenge you that if he convicted you of something, that you pull out your journal or your notebook right now, that you write down what he convicted you about and you date it. And right underneath you, just write convicted of, write it, and then say repented of, write it, and date it. And then if he's telling you to call somebody, then I want you to write down, call so-and-so, and then you're going to put today's date right there. He's asking you to forgive someone. My challenge is that you walk through the steps of forgiveness. Forgiveness does not mean that whatever that person did is okay. It does not mean that the injustice is all right. It means that this person and their injustice will no longer have power over your decision-making process in life. It means they're released. I heard uh, some quote, I, I don't know who said it, but I love it. They're like, unforgiveness is giving somebody um, unpaid space for rent in your brain. You're thinking about them because you're so mad and it was an injustice and blah, 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 blah. And, and they're not even thinking about you. Forgive them. Hand them over to God and let him deal with them. I'm going to pray for us. Father, I just say thank you that you are such a good father. And that, that Jesus, you saved us. And Holy Spirit, you want to come and bring conviction so that we can get all that the Father has to say to us. And we can understand that all that, that Jesus did, to, did for us, the beauty of salvation. That you want us to to grow spiritual fruit, to produce spiritual, everlasting, eternal fruit in our life. I pray you would remind us again, even in this uh, area of conviction, that you are for us and not against us. You are not the Father God who's putting us down every day and saying, uh, you know, can you get it together? You're the daddy daddy that comes and says, hey, this is not a good decision. And you're building a wall between me and you. I pray you would remind us of your desire for us. It's so much greater than even our desire for you. Your commitment to us. It's so amazing. Help us to understand this ministry of conviction, Holy Spirit. And that in a way, we would be just as excited about this ministry, Holy Spirit, as we are about your tangible movement. We would look forward. We'd say, convict me, change me, mold me. Where else can my help come from? Help us to let you be our shield, our refuge, and our rock. Woo us, Holy Spirit. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. Awesome. Right? So if you received anything for anyone in this room, my, my encouragement is you're going to take time to write it down and you'll hand it to them. Okay? Because you're not just uh, watchers, but you hear his voice too. Maybe you get a picture. Maybe you get a sketch. Maybe you get a dream or a vision or you saw something. Share it. Write it down. Hand it to them. Okay? Okay. Seriously? Okay. I'm going to continue on. Number six. <laughs> he renews and regenerates. 
Greek word, palagensia, again, Genesis, beginning, rebirth of a spiritual soul. Titus 3, 3 through 5, for we, are, we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. I love the starfish. Because you can lap one of those tentacles one of those arms off and if you throw the starfish back into the ocean what happens it regenerates and you don't know that it was ever gone here's the beauty of holy spirit's ministry in our life he can regenerate any part of your heart He can regenerate any part of your mind. Kind of crazy. You guys, I shouldn't be here. I don't feel that way about myself anymore. I remember when my leader... In our, in our DTS, they had a, a night where all the guys, they, they turned our room. They put, like, white sheets everywhere, and the guys were, like, in togas. And then they had, like, a, a little, um, you know, place for us girls. And then every guy had a girl. And then, and then we came up, and we were sat down. And then a couple guys were fanning us, you know, with the palm fronds. And then... And then that guy, whoever had us, they brought us a gift. So, so the guy that had me, he was also my outreach leader and he had, he was a, like a carver. And so he carved a cross for me. And he comes and he says, when I prayed for you, here's what God called you. He called you woman of God. He called you pure. And I recalled being at my lowest point on a New Year's Eve night in a club and everyone else was screaming and, you know, everyone's celebrating and all the little things are coming down, you know, the confetti and I'm weeping. And I'm like, this is, this is what I walked my life into. Like, this is it. And I remember thinking, Will anyone ever call me a woman of God? I'm so far away from God. Will anyone ever call me pure? Because I'm so used up. And there I was on that little throne. And he said, the Father calls you woman of God. You are pure. I had shared that with nobody. And I went, oh my gosh. I am being regenerated. And now I have to try to convince people that I was crazy. Like in a clubber way. Because they're like, oh, Maria. I know you guys are like, oh, Maria, she's just like David Gaba. I know. People say, oh, Maria, been in YWAM 20 years. Oh, Maria, prophetically gifted. Oh, Maria, I know she said she was crazy, but she probably wasn't that crazy. I was crazy. And he calls me pure and woman of God. There is not one person in this room that is hopeless. There is not one place in your life that cannot be regenerated by the power of Holy Spirit. This is his ministry. 
This is his work. This is what he does. And he desires to do. He doesn't come and go, oh, oh, you spiritually lopped off your arm. Oh, well, hope you can learn how to live without it. He says, let me touch that place so I can regenerate it. (sighs) Amazing. And he says, this is what I want to do in you. This is my desire. I don't care if you dug your own hole or somebody else dug it. Let me regenerate you. Let me heal you. Let me love you. Let me minister to you. If there is an area in your life that needs regeneration. Now, here's the thing. He he's regenerates. Like as soon as you said yes to Jesus, he starts this regeneration process. And sometimes as he's doing the regeneration process, I want to tell you something. We keep lopping things off because we're imperfect. So if there's an area of your life, you're like, yeah, yeah, I need regeneration. I want you to stand up. Regeneration or renewal. I want you to stand up. Uh, a regrowth. So I need the um, I need staff girls. If you're not standing, I need staff girls come up here, please. Well, and the staff guys, I guess I should say. And and I need Mel's mom, Mark. Okay. So those of you that have stood up, come stand up. Those of you that have stood up, if you want regeneration in an area of your life, it, I feel here's the thing. When we're children in, in our spiritual life, God does the work because we're kids. Okay, so Kiva held his hand across the street. I, sh- you know, stay away from the stove. It's too hot. And then now he's 10. So he knows how to make bacon and eggs and pancakes for himself. So I might hover over here, but I want him to do it on his own. Okay, you guys are in a spiritual maturing process. So I feel like in this moment, if you want prayer for regeneration of something, you need to go to somebody versus them coming to you. Seven weeks, he's been coming to you all the time, picking you. You're like, don't pick me. And he picks you. You go to them and you say, this is what I want regeneration in. And then they're going to pray for you, that you could believe the truth, that he's regenerated you. And that you would walk it out and that he would show you the steps of healing. Some of you need steps of healing. It just doesn't happen in one moment. That's why when something happens, a healing happens in one moment, it's referred to as a miracle because it doesn't happen that way all the time. We got to put in some effort. We got to do some work. He does the healing. We take the steps. Okay? Okay. So, go ahead. Find someone to pray for you. Standing up here. Heather, can you go up there too, please? If anyone would like Heather to pray for them, she's available. If you're not being prayed for, I'm going to encourage you to participate by picking someone that is being prayed for and from your seat, pray for them. If you're waiting, that's okay. Go ahead and wait. But if you're not waiting to be prayed for, pick for someone to intercede for. Uh, After you've been prayed for, I want to encourage you, open up your journal, write down what happened. doesn't have to be a big story, but just so you have it written down, this is the day I said yes to renewal and regeneration. To have hope in every area 